Thank you for downloading the Barbecue Central Show. The Barbecue Central Show is supported in part by these great sponsors. The Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic pit temperature control devices and barbecue pits. Their website is thebbqguru.com. Also, Butcher Barbecue, maker of injections, rubs, and sauces. Their website is butcherbbq.com. And by Big Papa Smokers, your one-stop online shop for anything in the barbecue and grilling industry to include world championship winning rubs. Their website, bigpapasmokers.com. And by Cookshack, maker of pellet and electric cookers. You can visit them at cookshack.com. Also, Chops Power Injector System. Three different size injectors to choose from. Find out more at barbecuekansascity.com, and that's barbecue, B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E. And by Pit Barrel Cooker, one of the most unique and versatile cookers out there on the market. Visit them at pitbarrelcooker.com. And by Smithfield, the biggest name in pork, bringing you great opportunities this barbecue season. Get Smokin' with Smithfield and their grant program and committed cooks program. Learn more at smokinwithsmithfield.com. And by Green Mountain Grills, some of the finest pellet cookers on the market. Their website, greenmountaingrills.com. Also by Cookin' Pellets, manufacturer of wood pellets to fire wood pellet cookers. Their website is cookinpellets.com. You can also purchase on Amazon.com as well. And finally, by Unknown Barbecue Supply, makers of lid hinges, chimney grillers, and much more. You can visit their website, unknownbbq.com slash shop. Use promo code REMPY for 15% off your entire order. This is Maddie Rempe from Cleveland, Ohio. And you're listening to Barbecue Central. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. We broadcast live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It continues to be the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday. If you want to jump in on the show tonight... Going to give you some contact info to do that here in just a bit. But know this, this show is live, local, late-breaking, and jam-packed with succulent guests to take you through the next 120 minutes. And if you want to be a part of it, here's how you can do it. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. On the Twitter and Instagram, at BBQ Central Show. Everything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you didn't get the newsletter. Coming up in about 13 minutes from now, the Houston Livestock and Rodeo took place this past weekend. 
It is widely considered to be of the upper echelon of competitions that pitmasters across all walks of sanctioning bodies want to win before they call it a competition career. And my guest at 914 is able to cross that one off the list as well. And if you take that one off the list, which they can do now, one wonders what is left to win. I think a quick tally would tell you maybe one event, one granddaddy event, that being Memphis in May. Everything else is already spoken for. I am, of course, talking about the pitmaster of Iowa's Smoky D's, Darren Worth. 914. At 935, a fan favorite, a a guy who I just love talking barbecue and grilling with in general, because when he talks about his palatial estate, when he talks about how many grills and smokers he owns, and how many beer kegerators and the what seems to be limitless amount of bourbon and whiskey in his liquor stockade, you can only become jealous because few humans have accumulated all of those things that he has. And quite honestly, a classically trained chef, a barbecue and grilling cookbook author, and a man who had no problem showing his balls last week while he was cooking... If you didn't see it on social media, too bad for you, but we're going to recount all of the fun when it comes to testicles. Ted Reader, tedreader.com. Ted did quite a expose of barbecue and grilling in relation to lamb's testicles. And I'm thinking to myself, what am I watching here? What has Ted done? Ted is known for taking Jack Daniels and injecting it into Twinkies and turkey breasts and bubblegum, planking everything known to man. He's planked mashed potatoes and chili and all of this. You name it, he's planked it or at least attempted. How it's fared in the overall taste test, that's up to the palate of the beholder. But Teddy is known to be outside the box, so when I saw the lamb's testicles, it didn't surprise me that this was the guy that was taking up this particular cause last week, but I immediately shot him a letter, and I was like, dude, we got to get you on, we got to get you back up, want to talk about this, see what lamb's testicles are all about, so we locked and loaded Ted Reader 935, and then we moved to the second hour And we have an interesting tale of competition barbecue with the pitmaster of Owl's Nest Barbecue of Ottawa, Tennessee. That's Steve Ray. Owner of uh, Steve Ray's Midnight Oil. Steve is a mechanical expert. We've talked at length over past interviews about car safety, car tires, winter tires, competition trailer, maintenance. But Steve had a... Very interesting recount of what had happened at a barbecue competition this past weekend, so I wanted to talk to him. And then at uh, 10.35, sorry, Steve's at 10.14. At 10.35, I will leave the segment open and give you some type of a recap of the 2014, I'm sorry, the 2017 HPB Expo that took place in Atlanta that I went to. Got some good sound there. Not sure how much we'll play on this show. A lot of that will go up on the website and on social media platforms here to follow, but 
That's what's happening here on the show tonight. 216-220-0966. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com, your email address. Don't forget, do me the favor as I ask you each and every week. If possible, could you uh, send out a letter saying, hey, Greg's on the air right now. Would love to have you uh, have you catch him live. If you're into barbecue, if you're into grilling, you might like it. A lot of people love the show. Last week when I had the owners of Barbecue, Barbecue from Parma, Ohio, sat in all show last week. It was fabulous, especially since Matt uh, Max Good stood me up. But we made up for it. I saw him in Atlanta at the HPB Expo. He was looking over all the grills and cookers like a kid in Christmas. So uh, let everybody know the show's on. OutdoorCookingChannel.com is a longtime video syndication partner of the show. You can also get the audio on my website, TheBBQCentralShow.com. Roku has it. And uh, breaking news... Twitch.tv slash BBQ Central Show also has a video feed. Ran into Chris Becker from cookingpellets.com. He said, you're not on Twitch. I said, no. I think I see a Twitch option in my streaming software, but I'm not hooked up to it. He said, you got to get hooked up. So I did. Now we're videoing out to three different parties. It is a simulcasting extravaganza here on this show. All right, uh, I want to mention two men who are world-class folks. Uh, Noah Glanville from Pit Barrel Cooker, Jason Baker from Green Mountain Grills. Noah is a fairly new partner to this show, not someone that I'm just fresh on knowing. I've known him for years, uh, but a new partner to this show. Jason, one of the longest-running partners of this show, and I got to spend time with them this past weekend at the HPB Expo in Atlanta. Noah said if I could get down there, which I immediately purchased a plane ticket because the Delta flight out of Cleveland to Atlanta is like 240 bucks, so easy money. Round trip, by the way, 240 bucks, because everything connects into Atlanta if you fly in Delta, regardless of where you're going. But he said I could crash out with him, so I got the ticket, made the trip, and really good to reconnect with him. It had been about a year since I had seen him last, and... There are many reasons to like Noah Glanville, especially if you have never met him or you're getting a chance to know him. But when you learn about his story and his history and his service to this country, it quickly transcends the barbecue world. So I thank him first and foremost for his service to this country and his continued support of this show the Pit Barrel Cooker continues to do very well in that market as well. So, Noah, thank you. And then secondly, this was the first time I had got to meet and hang out with Jason Baker. And look, you hear about nice guys in the biz. And you talk to pit masters and you talk to other business owners and backyard folks that have had issues with their Green Mountain Grill. And who calls you back from customers? A lot of time it's Jason Baker, right? Top men at the company, Jason Baker. And when you're talking about the good guys in the business, inevitably Jason's name gets mentioned. And it is nothing but true. Super nice guy. We got to hang for the Vesta Awards and then dinner on that Friday night. And it was like we had known each other for, I mean, we know each other for years just from an online business relationship with his support of the show. But getting to see him in person 
and hang out with him and get that FaceTime. That goes for a lot of other people. There were a number of people that have been on my show that were at this event this past weekend that I've never met in person or I'd only met once. So getting to reconnect and meet a lot of people for the first time. You know, Jason, thanks for the continued support of the show and the time this past Friday. It was great to finally meet you in person. And Green Mountain Grill is another company that is continuing to do very well, continuing to evolve in a highly competitive and growing market. So, Jason, cheers to you, my friend. Great time on Friday night. Great dinner. All right, folks, look, if you didn't know, A, you're living under a rock, but Big Papa Smokers is the one-stop online shop for anyone interested in barbecue featuring a comprehensive selection of American-made grills, spices, sauces, accessories, and even a kit that gives you everything you need to make a world-class smoker out of a 55-gallon drum. Big Papa Smokers has made a name for itself by making an award-winning line of championship rubs that rubs have won almost every major barbecue competition, period. And they added to it again this past weekend. Big Papa is also banded together with fellow California-based rub maker Simply Marvelous Barbecue to form what has now become known as the West Coast Offense. To find conventional wisdom, these two California-based rub makers have cornered the market on competitive barbecue and begun to redefine the flavor profile that cooks from across the country have begun to aim for, both on the circuit and in the backyard now. They've even created two of their own unique competitions, King of the Smoker, which brings the best of the best in barbecue head-to-head in a back-to-basic style competition. King of the Smoker is unique in that contestants may not use any electric device, such as pellet cookers or pit minders. Contestants just allowed to use charcoal wood in their wits to win one of the most high-stakes barbecue events around. The other competition, the Guinea Pig, which is a cost-controlled event that helps bring in newcomers to the world of competitive barbecue. It also features prize distribution all the way down to 10th place in each category. That helps provide incentive to get new competitors into the world of barbecue as well. And it also keeps the vets interested. Everybody likes getting a little bit of a paycheck. Keep in mind that on top of all of that, Big Papa has created that unique brand ambassador program called the BPS Elite Team. Featuring 15 of the best competition teams in the country working together to promote camaraderie, competition barbecue, and to benefit children's charities across the U.S. Doing this in only six years of being in the biz. Turning the competition barbecue world on its head, creating their own unique competitions. Becoming a staple of a nationwide restaurant chain, that being BJ's Restaurant and Brewhouse. And most importantly, benefiting children's charities across the U.S. Just the beginning still for Big Papa Smokers. Just the beginning. All right, Darren Worth, Iowa Smoky D's. When we come back, stick around. We'll be right back. Live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. 
You love to barbecue, you love to compete, you love to win, so do all three with help from Smithfield. Since 1938, Smithfield has been providing high-quality fresh pork products, and they now invite you to get smoking with Smithfield. Are you an event organizer, community, or sanctioned barbecue event? Apply for the new grant program that helps competitions across U.S. with resources and prize money, but that's not all. If you're a cook, you can join the Committed Cooks program. Members who commit to cooking with premium hand-trimmed Smithfield fresh pork will receive swag and other great prizes. Commit to cook with Smithfield and see what's going on in barbecue at SmokinWithSmithfield.com. That's SmokinWithSmithfield.com. All right. My first guest in the first hour just added Houston Livestock and Rodeo to the tally of titles that they have taken down here over their very prestigious barbecue competition career. It is the pitmaster of Iowa, Smokey D, Darren Worth, joining me here on the show. Darren, how are you, buddy? I'm good, Greg. How are you? Absolutely fabulous, Darren. Appreciate you making time for the show, as always. You know, last time you were on the show, you and Sherry added the National Pro Barbecue Tour presented by Sam's Club national title to the prize closet. This weekend, as I just mentioned, you had to Houston. You give that Houston Livestock Rodeo another run. You were runner-up in 2015. Two years later, Iowa Smokey D's knocks the one off the list that a lot of people would like to win. You've had a few days away from it now. You know, just from a high level what do you think one or two things that you're going to remember most about this past weekend? Well, Houston's like no other. I mean, it's it's just crazy. I mean, the the magnitude of this contest, you really have to experience it to to really see. I mean, we're talking hundreds of thousands of people. We're talking, you know, they deliver beer on flatbed trucks with forklifts. They don't deliver it by the case. I mean, it's just it's one huge, huge party. Sometimes it's a little hard to stay focused um, with so much going on. But, you know, the one thing that sticks in my mind is, you know, when you spell out the word hospitality, somewhere Texas is in that spelling because, I mean, it's it's just crazy. I mean, you're just welcome into everybody's tent and everybody's so friendly and willing to help them. I mean, it's just it's just a lot of fun. Darren, you hear about the big events like a American Royal Open and the dark side or what used to be the dark side, all that stuff. Is that something that is even remotely comparable or it's still a completely different feel down in Houston? Well, a little different feel, um, not even comparable from a size. I mean, Houston's probably, you know, if you think about the size of the parties, it's probably 20 times bigger than the American Royal. Wow. Um, but a lot of corporate money, a lot of hospitality suites and tents. I mean, just huge, huge, um, parties going on and bands and, you know, of course the biggest stage in barbecue. I mean, it's just amazing when you walk up on a stage, that's 20 foot up in the air, looking out over 30 or 40,000 people at awards. It's just crazy. For the folks that might not be aware of how it's run or they're just kind of getting into this whole barbecue craze. Can you give us a little brief rundown of how the food is turned in and how it's judged? Yeah, so there's three categories. Well, the, yeah, there's three categories. If if you're a, a regular competitor, which there's about a 15-year waiting list to get in, wow. um, you have to buy a – if you buy one spot, you can cook in one category. If you buy two spots or three spots, you can cook two or three categories. The most you can cook is four 
but a regular spot, you have to have a different head cook for every single category. So everybody's kind of just cooking one category. When you're part of Champions Corner um, for winning a major like the American Royal that put us there, you get to cook all three categories. Um, you're cooking half chickens, ribs, and brisket. So it's really two contests within itself. So you're cooking um, a, a preliminary round, and you're turning in a blind box, turning in so many samples, um, and then that gets judged, and then they come back later, and hopefully you make the finals. And as soon as you're announced you make the finals, you have to have your backup food ready to turn in. But the biggest challenge of everything is they only allow you to tag two pieces of meat for each contest. So when we talk about ribs, I was able to tag two racks of ribs. So I cooked one rack of rib for the first round and another rack for the finals round. You know, so the one rack rib you cook has to be perfect. You don't get to pick from three or four or five racks like we normally do. You got one rack and it goes to the box. Same thing with the finals, you know, and here we are in the finals. We're turning in 10 bones out of 11 bone rack of ribs. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. There's just no room for error. How much time is transpiring between that first turn in to when you are uh, acknowledged into being in the final for a particular category? Yeah, so so like this weekend, we were on Champions Corner. Our turn-ins were 11.45, 12.45, and 1.45. Um, and while I'm turning in chicken, somebody else – and i got to pick my order. I could pick whatever order I wanted to turn stuff in at. But while I'm turning in my chicken, somebody else at another tent might be turning in their brisket and ribs and, and so forth. So the judging, it's not like there's a chicken category and they judge all the chickens. So a judge – might judge two entries of chicken and then judge a brisket and then judge a rib. Um, but from a timing standpoint, so, you know, it just depends where you're at, you know, most, um, and they watch everything that you do. So you've got a contest coordinator that's there with you. Um, so like I turned at 1145, Tuffy was at 12. Um, you know, the other team was, uh, Mike Wells was at 1215 and Carlo Casanova, he was at, you know, 1230. And then they went right back to me at 12.45. So all the turn-ins pretty much are done by 2.30. And usually it's about 4.30, 5 o'clock. This year it was about 4.45 when they come back and announce finals. And then when is that second round due to be turned in? Just right there immediately. Oh, wow. I mean, they, they give you a little bit of time. We always, you know, we always kind of played it. You know, they, they, they want to get it in as soon as possible. So you kind of got, you really don't have a strict window. But they want to get it in with like 10 or 15 minutes. So, you know, when they come and announce us for files, finals, the first thing I did was sauce the ribs, put them on the can, um, got some smoke on them, got the sauce set on them, and enjoyed a beer with the reps. So it's a it's a simple matter of turning in, and then you just got to be ready whether you're picked or not. And then if you're not, you just have some extra food to, to eat, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you're ready to – you got to have all three categories ready to go at the same one because you could triple final, you know? So if you were to triple final, then all of a sudden they're going to come and they're going to want three boxes all at once. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Darren Worth from Iowa Smokey D's joining me here on the show, recapping the Houston livestock and rodeo in this past weekend, you know, to use a horrible pun, Darren, this wasn't your first rodeo. And I mentioned a few minutes ago that you almost took it down in 2015 have you been keeping track of this specific event and the results that you've had and do any type of adjusting as the years passed, or is that just not 
the Iowa Smoky D's MO to operate like that? Nah, we just we just cook barbecue. You know, I mean, it's just you know our it was our really final bucket list item to win. Um, our ultimate goal, it wasn't about winning the American Royal. It was about being able to get invited back to Houston. I mean, it's just an amazing event, and you just almost have to experience it. And once you get there, you just want to go back. You want to find a way to go back. How was your particular cook, and how did you feel and Sherry feel about the meat you guys were turning in? Well, it was it was crazy. We had a crazy good cook, you know, and sometimes <laughs> – you know, we know if we have a mediocre cook or a good cook, I always say it was good enough to win, good enough to lose um, a lot of times. But for some reason, and even when Sherry says we have a great cook, we have a great cook. I mean, I hit the chicken, of course, we didn't get a try because I was turning in half of it and I was holding half of it in case we made finals because in case I happened to screw up something with the finals chicken, um, but the ribs, I mean, I hit both rounds exactly perfect the way I wanted. I mean, they, they were both just exactly where I wanted. They were ugly, but ugly ribs win. Ugly ribs win, I say. How do you how do you term an ugly rib? What does it look like? Well, it's just, you know, the, the rib, I picked pretty fatty ribs, you know, so, you know, and the ribs, I had one rack of ribs that I had bought at Walmart, and I had one that came across from Kansas City Competition Meats that I had stuck both of them in the freezer last year. And not saving them, just kind of culling over stuff. And I went to uh, get ready for the contest and kind of realized that I had forgot to order meat. So I went looking through the freezer, found a couple of nice-looking racks of ribs, um, pulled them out, and when I wrapped them, I just, you know, for some reason, I lost a lot of rub off of them. So they were really fatty, but the one thing about Houston is appearance really doesn't matter. So there really is no appearance score per se. So I wasn't too worried about it. So I kind of put doctored them up, put a little bit of rub on them, you know, after they came off the pit and wrapped them up, just hoping to make them look halfway decent. But I got to tell you, they were ugly going in. Obviously, ribs is what gets you finaled and then overall grand championship. Where did you end up placing with the brisket and the chicken? We don't even know yet. I'm not even sure if they've put those out. I haven't seen um, where we are. Some, sometimes they said it takes a long time to get those scores published. It's not like they just walk out and say, here's the score. So I don't even have a clue. Probably it, could, didn't really matter. Ribs, rib took, ribs took us there. I was going to say probably could care less, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, I thought I had a good brisket in the first round, even though, you know, I tend to, I tend to be a little sweet on brisket on the top. And, you know, I was cooking next to, you know, Carlo Casanova and Ernest Cervantes, two just absolutely awesome Texas guys. And Ernest had a great brisket, and our briskets were very comparable. His was more savory. Mine was more sweet. He hit the finals. I think he ended up getting fourth overall out of it, and he had a great brisket. And, you know, that's the only thing I'd probably change going back is I'd probably move towards a more of a savory rather than a sweet Darren Worth joining me here on the show. Uh, Darren, you final in ribs, you win grand champion overall with ribs. Accurate or not, and for the folks that aren't into this whole competition barbecue thing, this is probably a little bit more of their mindset. I think some folks would stereotypically think of Texas as a brisket place, so to win it with something other than brisket, does it make it feel any much more sweet, or does it make it like, yeah, we, we really showed them and we really got it without doing it with the brisket? 
Um, no, if you look at Houston, just just in the past few years, we've been involved. I mean, brisket went on a run, you know, years ago, like five times in a row. And then chicken went on a run. You know, the Motley Q mm-hmm. team, they won with chicken. Uh, we Chicken, the year we were there in, in 2015, actually first, second, and third overall came off the chicken um, thing. So there was a run last year. It moved over to ribs. Um, and Mike Wells and the Bulldog Mountain cooking team, you know, they they won it with ribs. And this year, ribs rise to the top. So who knows? Maybe brisket next year. I'm not sure if it's a trend or it's just, I don't know. It's interesting. You just never know. Darren, in a broad sense, Texas is not typically known for competition bodies that have certified judges like you're used to at a KCBS contest or an FBA contest. Do you feel like you're showing that you put your best food in the box, the judges are going to reward you regardless of certifications or sanctioning bodies or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I say that. We cook the same, pretty much the same, no matter where we go. We probably travel across this country more than anybody. And, you know, I, I always tell people good barbecues, but good barbecue, it doesn't matter what, what how you scored or whatever. It's just if you can put something out there that isn't really first offending to judges and is very kind of middle of the road. You know, the last thing I want a judge to do is to taste a bite of my barbecue and go, hmm, what's what's that flavor? What's that spice? I'm trying to determine what it is. I just want them to taste it and go, wow, that's good. And that's really, I don't want them to say that it's great. I just want it to be good. I just want it to be consistent and, and good across the board. I always say mediocre barbecue wins. This is the second season, I believe, that Iowa Smoky D's is sponsored by Smithfield. I just want to ask you a question about that product. You know, obviously, there are what appears to be a, a plentiful amount of options nowadays when it comes to meat choice. And I think there is a lot of emulation and a lot of imitation when people see what's winning is in regards to what they're going to be doing going forward. The quality of Smithfield, obviously there, the results speak for themselves, especially with you guys over the last couple of seasons. But it has to be nice to know that this is an option that isn't going to break a bank in order to use. You can get it. I can get it. It's widely available. Yeah, I mean, and that's the beauty of it, you know, I mean, People ask me that a lot, and I said, you know, that wasn't a hundred dollar rack of rib, hundred dollar rack of ribs. That was a twelve dollar rack I bought at Walmart. You know, the extra tender line um, has just been amazing. It's it's just forgiving. And and as I looked around and talked with other cooks in the Texas market, you know, not a lot of them, you know, hand, you know, dealing with that um, extra tender product. You know, they just and they're they're taking ribs, and I've seen ribs get injected themselves and all kinds of stuff doing. And, and it just, I don't know, they just turn out so perfect. They're just very forgiving. And that's why we continue to cook them on the market. Darren, as we start to track down the list of majors to win in anybody's barbecue competition career, you seem to have all but one crossed off. The Lone Beacon, Memphis in May, last year after you won Sam's Club, you kind of made a reference that you might look into that. But then when you were on my show, you said, eh, it's really nothing I'm looking to really get invested to. However, Different year, different scenario now. Is it something that you and Sherry would consider doing at all, whether it be this year or even something into the future? Yeah, you know, if you would have asked me that question on, on Saturday morning, I'd, I'd answer the same as I did last year. 
um, I, I got to admit that challenge is sitting out there. You know, I mean, when when you've accomplished pretty much everything that you can in the competition world and won across, you know, all different circuits and and done, you know, different things, you, you just it's in the back of my mind. You know, I, I don't know, a lot of work. Um, just you know, I, I think maybe I missed the deadline, even though I might be able to convince somebody to let me in, but. You know, I've only ever experienced that once, you know, and, you know, it's a, it's a pretty good popularity show. I mean, I know you have to have a good blind box going in, but, you know, when it, when it comes to getting judged in those finals, it seems like the popular people are going to win. Don't you think you fit into the popular kids crowd at this point there? No, no. No? I'm just, I'm just an Iowa boy cooking barbecue. You know, I, I don't do the television thing much and, you know, we're just... We're just cooks. We're doing what we love to do, spend time with our friends and, and seeing the world. And we're not, you know, I turn down television shows all the time. Um, just not my lifestyle. Just not something I want to do. I don't, I don't need to be famous on TV. Darren, talk to me about your relationship with Sherry and uh, perhaps how much more special it is being able to accomplish what you two have done in the competition world together versus doing it with like a group of dudes. Well, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, she's my best friend. I mean, there's just no doubt. We, you know, we work in that restaurant every day together. We're together almost all the time, you know, and and you really never see us disagree much and whatever. And she's always right there by my side. When she first started, when first started, you know, I mean, I was ready to give it up after that first contest and she pulled me back in and you know, she's a trooper. And once in a while, she'll get a little burnout, I think, And as we move through the season. And she'll like, I'm tired, and I'm going, okay, I'm going to go by myself, and I'll go cook by myself. You know, but then the next week, she's just after she sees the fun we're having, she's ready to go again. So um, she insists that we're not going to be Johnny and Trish Trigg out there. At the, you know, Johnny's, what, 77 years old. You know, she she insists we're not going to be doing this 27 years from now, but no, no, we'll just see how it goes. Yeah, well, I mean, you totally blew away my last question, which was, you know, I mean, you guys can't be more than, you know, 50 years old or, or if you're that. And, you know, time in the competition world isn't nearly as fleeting as, like, pro sports, right? So you don't need to be in any kind of world-class shape to have an edge. And uh, as you just mentioned, Johnny and Trish Trigg, they just notch another RGC this past weekend. Uh, but you don't see yourself kicking it around for another like quarter century or anything like that, huh? Oh, you know, I don't know. It, you know, as long as it's fun, you know, it, when it stops being fun, we're out. I'll go find something else to do. But, you know, we're just having the time of our lives. I mean, it's it's truly it's truly just the family and the, the camaraderie that's out there on the circuit. You know, yeah, some days you're going to hit the good tables. Some days you hit bad tables. You never really hear me bitch about judging too much. It's, you know, it's just how much fun did we have, you know, and we just continue to, to do that. I mean, just like even this weekend, I mean, if you ever get a chance to cook next to Carlo Casanova and Ernest Cervantes, do not pass up that opportunity. I mean, it is just, especially, and we were on the other end from Tuffy, and Tuffy's always great to be around. He's a little more focused maybe than we were, but um, just those guys, we were just knocking it out of the park, having the fun. We were just in tears laughing most of the weekend. Darren, where are you guys going to be at next? Um, actually, this weekend, we're, we're, we're off the circuit, uh, heading to the Big 12 basketball tournament at Kansas City, going to be doing some grilling uh, demos for Smithfield down at the Big 12 tournament and watching the games and 
having fun. And then uh, next week we're off to Pensacola, Florida, and then on to Hammond, Louisiana. And then who knows from there? I have, we've been so busy I haven't even made a schedule. Darren Worth is the pitmaster of Iowa's Smoky D's, your newest Houston Livestock and Rodeo overall grand champ. Darren, always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for doing it. Hey, it was fun. There he is, Darren Worth. Iowa Smoky D's. Houston Livestock and Rodeo winner. Are you kidding me? All guests on the Barbecue Central Show I'm appear via you. the Smithfield Hotline. Yummy. Wow. How good of a guy is he? You Always the same. Mr. Consistency, right? On this show, Mr. Consistency. Never overexcited. Never underexcited. Always answering the questions. Knocking down Houston Livestock and Rodeo. 30,000 people watching awards. 30,000. That's like how many people are listening to this show each and every Tuesday. All right, gang. If you didn't know... Or you are like me, you want to make sure the barbecue and grilling game is on point. Or as the kids say, on fleek. No better or easier way to do that than by adding a little Butcher BBQ to your arsenal. You head on over to the website ButcherBBQ.com right now. And here's what you might find. Of course, you know by now that Butcher's Barbecue is well known for the injections. Originally it was that brisket injection. Now you got pork injection. You got bird boosters. Everything in between when it comes to... In fact, Dave has decided to help even the lamest of brains by taking away all the guesswork. He has stupid-proofed injecting. You can now get pork or beef injection already mixed, already ready to go. You stick an injector in there, pull it out, and inject. Simple. Doesn't get easier than that. Look at Dave think. You want some rubs? He's got them. You have the standby rubs, as I call them, the flagship rubs, the steak and brisket rub, and the honey rub, which I absolutely love. Then you have the newer rubs, chipotle, pecan, cherry, and Dave's double master triple secret blend rub. Of course, if you're looking for a sauce, might I suggest firmly to try out the sweet barbecue sauce. Look. I am a sauce snob. If it has liquid smoke, I turn my nose, and the ratings will start low and only build if it is available to overcome that liquid smoke flavor. But Dave took the time and effort to make a sauce without the liquid smoke flavor. Uh, Perhaps I'm in the minority not liking it. That's fine. Trust me on this. If you get an order of the sweet barbecue sauce, get six. Okay, get six. It's going to go fast. Dave telling me liquid injections. That's what it is. Already made up. The pork and the beef. Liquid injections. Ready to go. Also, while you're at it, get the product that is changing the face of the culinary world in general. The grilling oils. Butter flavor, my favorite. Chipotle flavor, also steakhouse. Shelf stable. Keep it out. Use it all the time. I know I do. You can go to ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com. We're back right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Ready to get on the air? Call 216-220-0966. Now, let's get back to the LeBron James of Barbecue Talk. Craig Rampage. 
Hey, this portion of the show being brought to you by Green Mountain Grills, manufacturers of some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. If you're looking for a big cooker to house a lot of food, they got one for you. How about something medium size? You don't need whole house cooking. Medium size, they got you covered. Also, tailgate size. Pellets to fire those cookers as well. You can check them out at GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. All right, my next guest is a fan favorite. Some tell me they have a ball when he stops by. It's been my experience that very few guests that grace the show exhibit the same amount of testicular fortitude as my next one does. What does it take to be successful in this business? It takes brass balls, or in this case, smoked balls. Let's go to the Smithfield Hotline and welcome back good friend of the show, Ted Reader. Teddy, how you doing, buddy? Pretty good, Greg. How are you tonight? I am absolutely fabulous, Ted. Always make, uh, appreciate you making time for the show. So before we rip open the sack and get balls deep in this topic, you know, it's been a hot minute since you've been on this show. What's new with Ted Reader? I'm just having a good time, man cooking every day, enjoying my family, living, enjoying. That's all. There's not much more to it. I keep it real. <laughs> Let's get into this topic. Okay. All right. Here we go. I saw last week you're like at a, a local market of some kind and lamb's testicles catch your eye and then the trail was blazed on social media documenting your exploits. So I guess for the folks who don't know, I mean, obviously you're, you're a classically trained chef. So I'd imagine you've tasted almost everything on the planet at one time or another. Have you had the pleasure of testicles in your mouth before? And if so, what kind were they? Oh, they were lip-smacking good testicles. Um, I have tried a a variety of testicles in my day, Uh, turkey testicles, uh, chicken testicles. Or, or rooster rooster testicles would be more appropriate to that. Uh, lamb's testicles and uh, beef balls. Those are the four that I have tried. Um, and I really don't want to try too many more. But <laughs> as a chef, I'm always looking to uh, to cook and create. And I'm not, uh, not afraid of any food product. I always want to experiment. I want to at least be able to try something once. And uh, it had been years since I, I, I've uh, played with testicles, <laughs> to put it so. And uh, I, was, I was in my uh, a local Asian market in my neighborhood and uh, walked by the halal meat counter. And they had a whole tray of lamb testicles there. And they were, they were some pretty good-sized balls in there. So I thought, hey, what the hell? Let's go play and see what uh, see what we can do with them. The only way that I'd ever had them before was deep fried. Just and and I didn't know how they were prepared, but I always found them to be a little bit too rubbery, and that comes from overcooking them and taking them where you remove all the moisture from them, and they're just a, a hard rubbery nut, and that's not what you want. You want something to be. I, I looked at it after my, my trials and tribulations with these lamb's testicles is that uh, when done right, they come out with the texture like a scallop. Hmm. So, and I'm going to be flashing pictures here of the lamb's testicles. In fact, I believe I have what they probably looked like coming out of the tray, and you might have rinsed them off and patted them dry on this picture. But is there a standard prep protocol to follow regardless of testicle type or – does it differ depending on what ball is in your hand? 
Exactly. With these lamb's testicles, the lamb's testicles traditionally come with three membranes, three outer membranes. I was fortunate enough that the outer two membranes were removed and I was left with just one membrane to peel. And it's quite, um, and I, it had been, it had been since probably culinary school, uh, where I first peeled testicles that I, you know, I had to think back 30 years. And so I called a friend of mine and, and she's a, she's a great cookbook author, uh, award winner. Her name is Jennifer McLagan and Jennifer, um, did actually the food styling on my sticks and stones cookbook way, way back about 18 years ago. But Jennifer has written a number of books. One was called Bones and the other one called Odd Bits, where she cooks all of the offals from kidneys to heart to testicles to lungs to livers to tripe to trotters to all of that stuff. So I called her and I said, how do I prepare testicles? What do I got to do? And so she sent me uh, a page out of her book and I followed the instructions. You need a very, very sharp knife and you want to, with the tip of that knife, you want to make an incision at the top of the ball where there's a very thick vein-like muscle. And you want to make an incision along that and then with the tip of the knife start to separate the, the very thick membrane from the testicle, from the sac itself. And with the tip of the knife you, you peel and pull and peel and pull until you remove it completely. And it takes a bit of patience and some time and eh, maybe a minute minute and a half you can you can peel a testicle and you're left with a very very wet slippery um, fist like size ball and the key is and I tried a variety of things I tried cooking them straight up after I've peeled them and they taste like piss so you can't do that you need to soak the testicles in a brine of just salt water got that up uh, about two tablespoons of salt to two cups of water. So one to one. And you soak them and you want to rinse that off every three to four hours. And you want to let it go for 24 hours refrigerated. Oh, wow. And this brine, and what you're doing is you're, you're, you're cleaning that sack to remove as much of that uric acid flavor that comes with it. Because that's what the part is that's not appealing when you're eating these testicles, is that if it tastes like piss, then it's reminding you of piss, and that's kind of gross. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, it couldn't be more gross, I don't think. Well, it could be, no, but I don't think it no, could be. No, but, but I'll tell you, this meat is extremely, extremely delicate. And so when I took it out of the brine, um, and, I, and I tried soaking it for just three or four hours, and then I did another testicle about eight hours, and I came to the conclusion that, you know, at 24, and if you, even if you went a little bit longer, would be better. Wow. And then I let it air dry before I decided to start to play around with it. One, it made it easier to handle, and two, it allows it uh, to take on the flavors and work on the grill so it's not so, so delicate on the hot grills or in the smoker. Uh, Teddy, when you, did you use, like, uh, dry rubs on these testicles? No, I just did salt and pepper. Oh, so a simple. A little bit season. of, uh, I had a lipo pepper in uh, one of my salt pepper blends, and it was kosher salt, cracked black pepper, and a little bit of a lipo pepper. That's all I seasoned with, because I really wanted to understand what was going on with the testicle and what would happen with it when I tried to cook it in a variety of different ways. 
So the first thing I did is I put a thermometer probe in it, and I stuck it in my smoker at about 235 degrees, and I smoked it. And three hours later, um, I still had this really wet ball on the inside, and my internal temperature was only at about 160 degrees. And so I gave it a taste. It shrinks. They, They go from where they're raw about the size of your fist and when you're done cooking them, if you're cooking them whole, they end up about half the size. It's funny, Teddy, and because usually uh, you would figure the opposite. If it got heat, it would get bigger because usually when balls get cold, they shrink and run up to your stomach. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. But these were not these, uh, these shriveled up, and then they get really wrinkly. And I found that smoking that testicle really didn't do anything for it. All right. So then I said, okay, well, let's take the next one and let's take a a testicle and we'll grill a whole testicle over live fire, charcoal, hardwood. And it just doesn't release enough of that moisture. And so that when you bite it, and and I I cooked it all the way up through to 160 degrees each time. uh, And I never had a rubbery testicle because there's so much moisture in them. They just don't dry out. If you deep fry them, I can see them drying up real quick. But on a grill, high heat, as a whole thing, still too much water. So what I did is then I sliced it into about half-inch thick rounds. And I cooked that on salt stones, I cooked that on soap stones, and I cooked that directly over the hot coals. And that was the best way to eat the testicles. Because that hot, hot, thin slice got so hot that you evaporated that moisture and with that you took away a lot of that uric acid flavor and then a little salt and pepper and I'll tell you it was tender delicious to the bite and a great flavor uh, I was quite I was quite amazed with with how it reacted Ted you'd sent me like um, what I'm going to call well so you have the tower of testicles that I'm showing right now which looks yeah, like those the ones, ones were that, stone grilled. Okay, and then you have ones that look like they were. I want. I don't know if fried is the right word, but they look crispy. Uh, is that just yep. a browning? Yep, just the browning, caramelization, wow. and that was that was on on stone as well. Wow, look. I mean, the color looks great. It, it, it certainly doesn't look like, like how it started. So let me ask you, uh, from a mouthfeel standpoint. When you take that first bite, like what is that? What is that mouthfeel uh, of testicle in your mouth? Well, the the very first bite I had was from the the test the whole testicle that I smoked. Right, and it was it had a very thick rubbery skin, sort of like the texture of uh, a chicken thigh after you smoke it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get crispy, right? And it's it's hard to chew through. That's what the, the outer membrane of it was like. So it was a harder bite, and then you got into it, and it was really wet. And it was high in uric acid. I didn't like the flavor of it at all. But it didn't deter me from trying to figure out a way to cook this to make them delicious. And the key is in the soak. You need to brine them. You need to do that and change out the water every three to four hours. And you will clean that, that sack, and you'll end up with something that's, that's very tender and very delicious. From a, a seasoning standpoint, you said you kept it simple, but do you think that there is a discerning taste that the testicles would have on their own, or is it all about 
what rub you might use with the testicle that would really bring out that explosion of flavor in your mouth? Well, I think I think you're you you don't want that that punch of that uric acid flavor that comes from the testicle, right? You don't want that strength. You want this to be very mild and sweet like uh like a sea scallop. Really that's the same texture and the same mouthfeel that you want to have and almost flavor where it's where it's sweet and tender and pleasant. There's there's nothing more, you know, I I can't describe it in any other way. Um, you don't want it to be like you can cut them thin and you can put them into a tempura batter and fry them up or a, a beer and buttermilk batter and you can do all of that. But once you start adding too much to it, you you mask the delicate flavor of what it is. And then, then what's the point of doing it if you're not tasting it for what that piece of meat is? If you're just covering it up with spice or with sauce or with something like that, you miss the the essence of the of the food itself is this something that you know, now that you've revisited after years and years is something that you'll kind of regularly consume or is this more of a special testicle occasion well it, it's the springtime so you you're you're finding them i'm finding them in the asian market um they're all over the place right now because we're getting into the season and that's when they're they're cutting those balls off and that's what's happening uh i don't see them around the christmas time so i look at it as a as a seasonal item similar to asparagus and when they're in season play so you know i'll I'll screw around with them a little bit and then uh you know wait till next year to do them up again teddy new books coming out or what I'm working on a couple of things. Um, mostly, I've got a I've got a nine and a ten year old, so I'm spending a lot of time with them and and uh, enjoying their lives. and And I don't want to miss that, so I'm taking a bit of time off and enjoying my family. and uh, We're putting together some thoughts, and I'll have another book coming out soon. Don't you worry. There's lots of deliciousness in this body. <laughs> TedReader.com is his website, and if you are ballsy enough to go ahead and try the testicles that we've been talking about here this segment that it's all for viewing and of course ted always available to answer questions ted really appreciate the time on this segment man thanks so much for doing it uh thanks for having me greg you got it it easy and uh, fire up those grills there he is ted reader talking about uh lamb's testicles uh, dare i say at length did i just say dare i say at length All guests on the Barbecue Central Show appear via the Smithfield Hotline. Yummy. (laughs) Uh, uh, Rarely do I get text messages coming in during the show. I've had about 50 text messages come in during that segment of the show. I can tell you. That's Ted Reeder talking about lamb's testicles and the best way to cook them. What did we learn first and foremost? Clean the sack. You don't want it to taste like piss. Hey, Cookshack manufactures smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of experience. Whether you barbecue in your backyard, in the competition circuit, or in a five-star dining facility, Cookshack has the unit that will do the job. And with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, and pellets, and wood chunks, it's the perfect one-stop shop. Cookshack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, two blogs, smoke and grilling 101s, and a video cooking classroom. Check out their website at cookshack.com or follow them 
on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest, or Google+. Get advice or share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. Cookshack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of champions because they were designed by a champion. Ed Fast Eddie Morin, the FEC 100, PG 1000 are always customer favorites. Why? Because the PG 1000 can double as a smoker and a grill. That's right, low and slow or hot and fast. The pellet grill line gives you the most for your money. Cookshack residential electric smokers are the number one smoker in the industry. High quality means high durability and versatility. Anything you can cook in your oven, you can make in a Cook Shack. Passion and dedication drives Cook Shack's manufacturing. Of course, quality is always being at the forefront. Here's what you do. You get the best in barbecue since 1962. You call this number if you have any questions. 800-423-0698. That's 800 800- Four two three zero six nine eight, or you visit their website, cookshack.com. That's C-O-O-K-S-H-A-C-K, cookshack.com. I missed them at the HPBA Expo uh, this past weekend, but I believe they're going to be out at that big hardware expo in Vegas. Is that this coming weekend? Might be the week after next. It was pretty close. A lot of, lot of uh, expo folks were going back-to-back Atlanta to Vegas. But yeah, was hoping to see them at the HPBA. That's all right. We'll catch up with you again, Stuart. No problem. All right. We will go ahead and recap the first hour and get ready for the second. Stick around. We'll be right back. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. back this portion is being brought to you by cookingpellets.com your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet driven cookers visit cookingpellets.com for more info or to purchase you can also visit amazon.com to purchase as well i can't get into anything specific but there might be some really cool stuff coming down the cooking pellets pipeline here as soon as that has been confirmed We'll get Chris Becker on here, and he'll tell you all about the cool new stuff coming from cookingpellets.com. Uh, lest anyone think that the segment that has just passed with Ted Reader was some type of uh, farcical nature, that is incorrect. I don't know what's wrong with you people, but we were realistically, we were having a realistic discussion about his journey with lamb's testicles and the best way to prepare and eat them. Uh, I'm not kidding. Greg, uh, who is that man talking? Testicles? He's eating testicles? Oh, my. Who are you talking to? 
I'm talking to your son who has the man-eating testicles and drank a... He said the word piss on your show? Who is... What is he? Eating testicles? What kind of man is he? That's right. Outrageous stuff. Here when I thought you were starting to crest up to the high road, you drop it right back down into the gutter. That's right. Shouldn't be talking about that stuff in front of your mother. You know, she's a very delicate flower. Shouldn't be talking like that. All right. She's so, she's so, I'm so upset. She's so upset, she can't talk about it. I gotta go. Gotta go make a martini. All right, that's my parents right there. Sorry. Uh-oh. Lest anyone think that was a real segment. Okay. Check them out. Follow them on Instagram. Follow them on Facebook. There was a lot of testicle recipe going on from one Ted Reader. That's tedreader.com. I'm sure some of those recipes will make it there at some point. Ted's kind of been laying low. He's doing his thing, enjoying the family, but I got a feeling he's going to be stretching out here before long. All right. We are loading up for the second hour. I'll get you up with uh, what's happening for the rest of the show. You get a horse meet update. Get a Hall of Fame update if time allows. Lots of wonderful, great things taking place. You also have the opportunity to win what is now only Double XL Horse Meet 2017 t-shirts. are going out fast and furious. A lot to get to, folks. All right, I'm going to refresh my beverage. I suggest you do the same as you get ready for a fun-filled second hour. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central Networks. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is Jimmy Burns from Melbourne, Ohio, and you're listening to Barbecue Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine, how you doing? <laughs> you have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what? What? What seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet before Wiener. Oh, listen, Lavernius, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. <laughs> top men. All right, just like that, we're in the second hour. Hey, everybody, you found the Barbecue Central show. This is the only show currently that is talking about everything that's important in the world of barbecue and grilling, and we do this show each and every Tuesday from the friendly confines of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city, the barbecue capital of the North Coast, Coast, Cleveland, Ohio. If you missed the first hour, where were you? Shame on you. You missed... Darren Worth recap his big win at the Houston Livestock and Rodeo this past weekend. If I'm not mistaken, and I can go back to the tape, 
But I believe he even mentioned that Memphis in May is now on the potential radar, not poo-pooing it as he had done in the past, but indeed saying that, hey, you know, that's kind of the last one hanging out there. Can't say no. Even as soon as two or three days ago, he would have said no. But now on a Tuesday, as the smoke clears and things start to refocus a little bit, coming off the high at Houston Livestock and Rodeo, maybe, just maybe, that Memphis and May opportunity is something that would have interest to one Darren and Sherry Warrant from Iowa Smokey D. So we'll see what happens there. As he said, he probably missed the time frame on getting into it this year. Um, I don't know if that's the deal that he wants to get involved with this year. I was more asking just in general uh, if it's something he puts his mind to and he wants to get into this year. I'm sure something can happen. But we'll just have to see. I was just encouraged that it's something that he's not not considering anymore. So there you go. Still to come on the show tonight, Owl's Nest Barbecue Pitmaster Steve Ray joins me. And after that, I will recap the HPBA Expo that took place this past weekend. So here it is. I know you've been waiting for it. The 2017 horse meat update. Here we go. Your weekly update. So as I had mentioned about two or three weeks ago, I had lobbed emails and lodged phone calls into my respective Congress peoples and senators, uh, both local congressmen, like state congressmen. His name for my district is called Dave Joyce. And at the end of last week, I got a Actually, I believe it was Wednesday because I remember thinking, wow, you're one day late. This could have been real breaking news. But Congressman Dave Joyce's district director, his name was Nick something or other, contacted me last week via phone about my inquiry lodged with him the week before that. And he sent me a 13-page document, which I will post at some point for your reading pleasure, going over where the stance on horse meat is, what the current laws are, pretty much most of the stuff that I kind of already knew, except at the very tail end, this is uh, the Congressional Research Service Horse Slaughter Prevention Bills and Issues. This was, uh, it's, it's a little outdated, uh, June 28th, 2013, Tadlock Cowan is the person that was penning this particular paper. But right towards the end, let's see. This would be page 11 through 13, I believe. Yeah. The chapter title is Selected Arguments About Horse Slaughter in the United States, and it reads as follows. The foods that humans find acceptable... The human, what? The food that humans find acceptable to eat, at least under normal conditions, are for the most part culturally determined. The consumption of bush meat in some African societies, bird nests, and shark fins in China, canines in parts of Indonesia and Korea, and kangaroo in Australia are practices that seem foreign to most North American residents, but maybe normative among many groups in those societies. 
Same is generally true for how horse meat is regarded in the United States. While France, Belgium, and Italy, just to name a few, consider horse meat a normal item of consumption. Most U.S. and Canadian consumers today view horses as performance and companion animals rather than food animals. Horse protection and animal welfare groups contend that Americans overwhelmingly favor an end to horse slaughter for human food, a practice such groups have called cruel and unnecessary. According to the groups, horses are transported long distances, often in deplorable conditions, in poorly equipped trucks and trailers, and they are exposed to bad weather and often inadequate rest, food, and water. Blah, blah, blah. Let's get down to some of the nitty-gritty here. One issue – oh, where is it? Um, the national blah, blah, blah. One concern expressed by uh, – well, I had a great uh, paragraph here to talk about. Well, I guess I'm not going to be able to find it here. Um, opponents of a slaughter ban contend that disposing of many additional horses each year could create environmental problems such as soil, groundwater contamination. Ban supporters counter that hundreds of thousands of U.S. horses die naturally or are euthanized each year and are now safely disposed of. Many are not buried but sent to rendering plants where the remains are used in industrial products and animal feeds. That's the proverbial glue factory. Um, well, there was something about people being okay with potentially eating it, but I, I don't see it. Oh, here it is. However, a veterinary journal article counters. Market demand for horse meat for human consumption is almost certain to continue and may grow into the foreseeable future. It is therefore proper and necessary that we continue to work with national and international groups to provide humane care for horses intended for slaughter and maintain as much consensus and practicality on these issues as possible. The American Veterinary Medical Association and the American Association of Equine Practitioners actively opposed H.R. 503. The AVMA opposed the bill because it did not provide the care for unwanted horses or provide finding for the care and placement of horses seized by the government in accordance to H.R. 503. This is telling. Market demand for horse meat for human consumption is almost certain to grow. It's not just me. This has been predicted four years ago. Once again, I'll have the full article for your review should you see necessary to read it. But realize that we are not under a provision here where this is just a joke. This is now a full-blown movement. I had many interviews with people at the HPBA Expo this past weekend where I asked them specifically people I didn't even know, rando people. I didn't talk to one person who was adverse to at least talking about it as potentially being an option. So it's, I'm not the only one talking about – let me rephrase that. I'm the only one talking about this, but there isn't that much blowback and pushback as I would have anticipated. That's that. All right, here's your Barbecue Hall of Fame update. 
So it appears that everyone who sent in an email on my behalf for Barbecue Hall of Fame consideration was sent back an email by the American Royal this past Friday or so that asked said supporter to click on a link and fill out the form included. That link contained a form which in part read this. So it'll take you to a website and ask you for your name and information, and then it asks you for your Barbecue Hall of Fame nominee. That's where you would put my name, the email address, and a phone number. Uh, you just really have to put my name. That's all that's required. There's red asterisks to tell you. And then there's a number of different selections to choose from. Journalism, celebrity, media, author, humanitarian, chef, industry, business, educator, pitmaster, restaurateur, other. So I would fit into journalism and media, of course. Then it says, please explain why you choose these categories, and then you have to answer, give a brief description of your nominee career in bar- of your nominee's career in barbecue. So here's what I would ask you. Uh, I've posted the link on my social medias. If you wrote an email, just take the body of your email and post it in the give a brief description of your nominee's career in barbecue. Everything else you can fill out rather quickly, and then submit. Maybe next week I will go in-depth as to why I'm doing this again. A lot of people that I met over the weekend said, well, I see you're really stumping to get yourself in. It goes way beyond that. Way beyond. This is not me trying to get into a barbecue hall of fame, per se. There is a much bigger, broader position I am trying to point out here. This isn't just about me because I want or don't want to be in the barbecue hall of fame. That's it. All right, folks, let me talk to you quickly about the longest-running sponsor of the show located in Warminster, Pennsylvania, the Barbecue Guru. Gang, if you've been thinking about automatic pit temperature controls, stop here. This is the company that started it all. They are the creators of this technology. Why are you going to buy from anybody else? If you're not familiar with how these little beauties work, I don't get into the minutia here, but imagine a product that allows you to set your pit temperature, and once set, keeps it running at that temperature all the way through the cook. Sound too good to be true? It's not. It's real life. You can take advantage of this technology right today because maybe you're a busy working professional like me or perhaps you are constantly on the run with kids doing errands. Quite frankly, you just don't have the time to set around in 10 pit temperatures. I get it. The barbecue guru allows you to throw on a pork butt or a brisket or a couple slabs of ribs and then you're off to do whatever it is you need to get done. And The guru maintains that pit temperature you set it at. There's currently four different models to choose from. So know that there is one that will fit your budget. You have the CyberQ Wi-Fi. You have the DigiQ DX. You have the PartyQ. PartyQ is like that cruise control. If you don't need all of that tech that goes along with the CyberQ Wi-Fi and some of the other ones, no internal temperature meat probes here. Nay, all you have to do is put the therm in your cooking chamber and then set within five degree increments of the temperature you want that PartyQ to set it at. And it keeps it running right there. Party is about 130 bucks or less. You head on over to bbqguru.com to check it out. If you want to look for a new cooker, Onyx Oven, the newly revamped Onyx Oven, out and ready for sale as well. You know it's going to accommodate each and every one of the Guru temperature control devices. You can call them at 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. And they'll make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box bbqguru.com or 800-288-GURU. The Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. 
Steve Ray, pitmaster of Owl's Nest Barbecue, owner of Steve Ray's Midnight Oil, joins me here after the break to talk about a odd happening slash goings-on at a recent barbecue event. Stick around. We'll be right back. The only show giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue. A man actually named Meathead. The author of a barbecue bible. Bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Hey, welcome back. This portion of the show is being brought to you by Unknown Smoker Accessories, purveyors of made-in-the-USA stainless steel barbecue and smoker lid hinges, barbecue accessory hangers, rocket-hot chimney grillers, and heavy-duty aluminum foil dispensers, the fine products from Unknown Smoker Accessories. Keep your gear where it needs to be at arm's length and ready for battle. Visit unknownbbq.com slash shop today. That's unknownbbq.com slash shop. And don't forget to use promo code REMPE, that's R-E-M-P-E, R-E-M-P-E, for 15-1-5% off your entire order. Thanks to Jason Whitcomb and the good folks over at Unknown Smoker Accessories. All right, my next guest tonight is a competitive barbecue cook. He also owns an independent service station out there in good old Ottawa, Tennessee, Steve Ray's Midnight Oil. Tonight we talk about an odd occurrence at a barbecue event, and we would like your input as well as you listen into the story. If you'd like to give us your opinion here in the instant chat, more than welcome. Let's go ahead and race to the Smokin' with Smithfield hotline and welcome Pitmaster of Owl's Nest Barbecue, Steve Ray, back to the show. Steve, how are you, buddy? Hey, Greg. How you doing? Absolutely fabulous, Steve. Appreciate you making time here as always. So uh, let's go ahead and have you give that opening recount uh, remember rule number one of the show, no names, please. Uh, but, you yeah, know, absolutely. let us know what's happening uh, or what you heard, and uh, we'll kind of build in from there. This this happened uh, – we, we were sitting around after turn-ins uh, Saturday at the uh, Sip and Swan barbecue contest. That was in Lawrenceville, just up the street from where you were uh, this weekend in Atlanta, Georgia. All right. And uh, one, of the, uh, one of the judges was, was hanging with us. And uh, she said, somebody turned in an empty box. Empty box? An empty box. A box with only garnish in it. And 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 everybody was, you know, everybody, I, what, would, what would you say? What? Well, first you of know, all, I would box. say, how the hell do you not pick up that box and realize it's very light or that's some of the heaviest garnish ever on the face of the earth? Right, right. So the person who turned in put the box on the table, the judge took the box, took the number off the sheet to renumber it, put the number on the box, put the box back on the tray. The tray was taken to the table. The table captain picked up the box, opened up the box, and presented it to the table. Empty. And now, so, I mean, can we assume, Steve, that... The table captain picked it up and realized that it was empty, or we would we would assume that he didn't know it was empty. He opened it up and didn't realize it was empty until somebody, one of the judges, was like, "Hey, you're showing us just a bunch of green." 
Well, let's assume that the, the table captain opened and looked in and went, oh, my gosh, it's an empty box. And all the judges looked at it. So immediately the table captain and I, and I, I got all this confirmed. So it's all it's all good information. Immediately, the table captain called for the rep. Now, if you if you ever played golf, if you ever, play, ever played a lot of golf, every time when you come back to the clubhouse, there's always a rules interpretation or somebody cheated or. Hello? I'm here. I'm here. Okay. You were you were saying that there's always a, a rules interpretation or somebody cheated? Yeah, when you play golf and, and the discussion centers around, you know what what what's the rule on that? You know, and and that's a fun thing about sports that there's always a a rule that you have to go by the rules. So what I ask you when the when the judge and I ask the people in chat as well when the judge uh, came to a what do you think the rule should have been? Well, I guess so. Here's the here's the question that I have. I guess before I answer, is there a findable rule that says once you've turned it in, it can't get kicked back out to the cook? I, I don't know. That, I, I don't. I don't know the answer to that. This is a KCBS contest. Yeah, yeah. It was a KCBS. The Sipping Swan is huge. Hundred right. teams. So um, whoever. Well, here's Dave Bosca weighing in that says uh, uh, that is the incorrect way the table captain should show it to the judges and judge as presented, which he did, correct? He did. And then when they, they everybody saw it was empty, they called for the KCBS rep. And then the rep, what did the rep do from there? Okay, so here's, here's well, the that's deal. Well, that's where we need to stop, yeah. and I, I'll, I'll tell you what he did. But I kind of want to get a feeling amongst the people, you and the people in chat. All right. So I, here's here's what I think. I would be okay. under the impression, and I don't know any rules, and I'm not a competitor. I think well documented. If I turn in my ribs with an empty garnish box, I'm going to have to hope like hell that that garnish is the prettiest shit ever, and it's going to carry me to some type of a score. Because I think if you turn it in, and it's taken, and it's numbered, and it's passed out to a table— it can't get kicked back out to me to, to to make ribs in that box. You turn it in, you're done. That's it. It would be like you getting would, an extra 30 seconds after the clock had expired. I mean, it just doesn't happen. You would think that, wouldn't you? Yes, and we're getting a lot of uh, instant chat feedback here as well. Uh, a lot of people agreeing with uh, my mindset and probably your mindset. Now, what did now? I'm, I'm interested to just to look on there. Uh, let's see. David Bosca said that's the incorrect way the table captain – should show it to the judges and judges presented. Uh, Doug said, must have looked awful good. Yeah, good letters. I think KCBS is the same right minimum six pieces for KCBS. That is correct. And I, I'm just assuming everybody knows the rules on KCBS. But a lot of people saying it should have been an automatic DQ. Well, that you would think that, wouldn't you? Sure. Well, I, you know, I wonder if anybody, and, and this goes back to. Uh, when I was in Atlanta a couple months ago at the uh, KCBS convention, the the biggest discussion was the the judges' discussion, and the uh, people's um, uh, some people were frustrated with the judging, and and you've talked about it on your show. Uh, several people have spoken about it, right? Am I sure? Safe to assume there, that there, there is yeah. a, 
if if nothing, there is always a small minority that continues to rail on the judging regardless. Mm-hmm. And and rightly so and wrongly so. I think I think the judges do a great job. I think the KCBS reps do a great job. Do you, and uh, let me ask you a question, ahead. Steve. Um, just completely off topic here, but. You have a guy like a Darren Worth, who I have on in the first hour, who has now passed through and won through an FBA contest, through obviously many, many, many KCBS contests, through IBCA contests, and now in the Houston Livestock and Rodeo. So he's seen many different judging scenarios, judging judges mm-hmm. sanctioning, all of this other stuff, and he continues to win. So... But my my thought is to want to say that for as much of a bashing that these judges get, is it the judges or is it your food? No, I, when it when it comes down to the end of the day, it's it's your food. You uh, you can hit a good table, you can hit a devil table, you can hit an angel table. If you've got good food, if you if you cook good food, you're gonna you're gonna win win, and that's the bottom line. You've got to in, as, as in any sport. You've got to perform week in and week out, and somebody like Darren does it, um, and it is the food when it all boils down to it, I believe. Do you feel that it would be better served from a from a sanctioning body, and I, and I certainly understand why there are certified barbecue judges for the sanctioning bodies that have them, but you have uh, an IBCA and some of these other Texas-based organizations that don't certify anybody. You can show up, you can judge, and it's more of a – people's choice or most popular mm-hmm. style barbecue. And if you look at the attendance of teams in Texas per event, it, it, it destroys attendance that you find at KCBS events and FBA events. Always 100, 125, 150, 200 teams, 400 teams on a regular basis. I mean, that does that speak to anything? Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. Because there's so many KCBS events throughout the country, uh, I don't know how many how many events on a weekend that the uh, the Texas uh, circuit will have. If they've got you know one contest or two contests on a certain weekend, well, sure those contests are going to be bigger than a KCBS event because there there you know there's there could be as many as five or six uh, barbecue contests on one weekend with KCBS. Uh, Steve, all right, so let's go ahead and pick up. Uh, a lot of people in the chat room are saying, look, if the guy opened it up, if there's nothing in there, automatic disqualification or judge it for what it is, and there's no chicken in the box and, or ribs or whatever it was. It was ribs, yeah. So, so ribs. there you go. Yeah. So uh, okay. we're all kind of on you the said, same mindset. Everybody thinks there uh, should have been a disqualification. Okay, this is this is what happened. All right. And I spoke to the case, I spoke to the KCBS rep made this decision when he was called to the table he saw the empty box he looked at the official clock and saw that there were two minutes left on the turn-in clock right he closed the box he ran to the team's camp told them <laughs> and told them what was going what had happened and they said oh my gosh and they looked around found the rib box that had the ribs in it and he made them take it back to the turn-in table, and he beat the clock. Now, you can imagine how hectic this was oh, with two I, minutes going sure. on. And he beat the clock, and they turned in the ribs, and those ribs were judged and scored. Really? Uh-oh. Yes. I think we have trouble in River City. 
I, I think that's I think it's a uh, an event that should spark a little it not not controversy but conversation among the reps and the uh, board of the KCBS or whoever is over the rules committee. I really do. We had three board members at that. Uh, we had three board members at that particular contest. So uh, I'm sure the conversation was uh, was about that. I thought it was an important. I thought it was a real important event that happened that uh, needed clarification. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but that almost seems like John Dawson had made some type of a reference in the chat room saying, you know, is, is this where we've gotten in competition barbecue where you need these kind of dummy rules? But shouldn't that be like a known thing? You turn in whatever you turn in. Once it's there, that's it. You can't go back. Yeah. And nobody I, seems I, to I know. Agree. Nobody agree. seems think, to know. You know, I think the rules, if you're going to have a, a quality competition, a quality event, the rules are the rules are the rules. Now. The rep told me that anytime they have to make a decision, they always do give the benefit of the doubt to the team. And if that is the case, then the rep did the right thing. If it's if that's what he's instructed to do, I, do I agree with it or not? You know, it didn't affect me one bit, and I don't think it affected the outcome of the contest. But it could sometime. And they're giving benefit of the doubt to the team when they don't know the rules. Is that what we're to understand? I don't. I well, they they know the rules. They just grabbed the wrong box. Now I don't know what could have happened. I know on that particular contest, I cooked it by myself. I did all four meats by myself, and I took every box to the judges' tent by myself, and booked it back and got the next one ready. And I didn't. I didn't turn in a wrong box. So, um, you know, then there's lots of teams like that that that, that go by themselves, and uh, you know, an empty box is a, you know, that's you know, that's the that's an interception on fourth and uh, fourth and goal at the Super Bowl, Greg. You know, an empty box, and then the, the other team intercepts and runs it back for ninety nine yards. Well, there, Sylvie Curry made a, a great point in a post that's kind of flying by as they're coming in hot and heavy in regards to like an IBCA competition. You know, if a judge sees a little bit of foil, which you're not allowed to see, does she run the box? Do they run the box back to the team and say, "Oh, we can see a little bit of foil, readjust"? No, it's automatic disqualification. So, to, hey. it, I believe there needs to be some type of a a re go over or a relook at that particular rule moving forward. How did the team end up finishing? Do you know? Uh, well, let's put it this way. <laughs> I beat them and I finished 48th. So, <laughs> you know, I, what's that tell you? But, uh, but the thing is, I asked, I asked the, 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 the field rep, I said, what if he, what if somebody turned in a uh, chicken when they're supposed to be turned in ribs? What if they grabbed the wrong box? What if for some reason they made their, their box, they made two chicken boxes up right. and then instead of taking ribs, they turned in chicken again. Right. You know, you know, I think that would have been DQ'd right then. I mean, right off the bat. I didn't. I didn't really see a difference in that. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Uh, yeah. Any other fallout from that? No, no, it didn't. Like I say, it didn't affect the contest one bit. It didn't affect, you know, the top ten. It didn't affect any money. But imagine, imagine if it did. Just imagine if, if uh, that team finished. Uh, what if they would have won first? Right. Yeah, what if they'd have won? Oh. And uh, and what if what and you were the RGC or you were in third or fourth place? And there's there's a lot of money up there in those you know top five places. I and, would have, uh, I would you know, imagine there would have been. A, I would have had to figure out if I'm going to be putting that guy on first or Darren Worth first if that would have been the issue. That would be a 
I believe if he would have won off of that, that would have really chapped some people's asses at the competition. But because he finished poorly, you know, it's one of those things you can talk about and just kind of sweep under. Until it happens and it really changes the course of an event, then you got a problem. Well, I, I agree. Uh, I just thought it was an, an interesting thing. You know, number one, how in the world do you turn in an empty box? And, and number two, I, I thought it would be a no-brainer automatic disqualification. You get a, you know, you get a, uh, you you put a, a foreign object in there. If you leave a toothpick in there, if you leave a Q-tip in there, if a piece of uh, paper towel goes in there, you're, you know, you're out of there. And uh, what if you put a what if you put a paper towel a corner of a paper towel in your box and then a guy turns in a box with just lettuce, you're disqualified and he gets a second chance. Yeah. You know, are they going to run? Are they going to run the lettuce box back? Are they going to run the uh, paper towel box back? You know, is that what we're going to get to? Is running boxes back and forth? Just from a funny standpoint, Matt Boer weighs in on instant chat and said, "You'd never do that at an FBA contest. Our turn-ins weigh about twenty pounds each because they just stuff everything full of meat down there." <laughs> yeah, you pick up that empty That's box, it. and uh, that is not—you will easily know you have an empty box. Hey, it, it's interesting the way the different the, the way the different uh, you know groups groups turn in turn in their food and stuff like that. It's always I always enjoy listening to. Uh, uh, Chad and, and Griff before you, and I listen to Doug, Doug from the Texas place. It's just interesting listening to uh, all the different uh, people that uh, compete all over the country. And and you get somebody like Darren who wins wherever he goes. It's just amazing. It's amazing. Steve, where are you going to be competing at here over the next uh, few months or so? We've got the, our next KCBS uh, event is in um, end of April over in, down in Calhoun, Georgia. Uh, I've got a little contest we've got going here in Ottawa on April the 15th. That's Saturday. It's a 13-team uh, barbecue contest uh, where the people will be able to buy and sample. and There will be a People's Choice Award and a Judges Award. And we're very proud that it is a WFC-sanctioned event. Mike Ooh, McLeod is going to be you. at the competition. He's going to be training a, uh, a table of judges for us. And, and then those judges will judge a barbecue contest and a steak cooking contest. So we're real, real excited about that. Are you excited to see how that steak cooking association has really started to get that groundswell of popularity? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I'd love to, I'd love to cook one. I just haven't been able to get my schedule right. You know, I like the idea of coming in early Saturday, setting up, having a good time and, uh, you know, taking an hour cooking your steaks and, uh, you know, go awards and uh you know head on out but i also like the idea of having them in conjunction with the barbecue contest say, on a friday night i think hey anything anything that promotes cooking outdoor live fire cooking um hamburger contest steak contest dessert ancillary any anything like that i think is just great for the uh barbecue competition business Steve Ray is the pitmaster of Owl's Nest Barbecue, and you can find him at Steve Ray's Midnight Oil in Ottawa, Tennessee. What's the exit uh, if you're rolling past there? Exit 11, I-75. You uh, you flew right over me on the way home. I thought I saw you. <laughs> yeah. Scrolling. Hey, Rempy, come down and see me. Uh, always good to talk to you, my friend. Thanks so much. You bet, Greg. Thanks for having me. You got Take it. Take care. There he is, Steve Ray from Owl's Nest Barbecue and owner of Steve Ray's Midnight Oil. All guests on the Barbecue Central Show appear via the Smithfield Hotline. Yummy. When I'm on a plane, I have no idea where I am, except when I'm flying back over Cleveland because, you know, I'm kind of familiar with that, but yeah.
All right, uh, we'll recap the HPBA Expo here coming up in just a few short minutes. Also, if you would like to win a double extra large, double extra, yeah, all the triples are gone. Double extra large Horse Meat 2017 t-shirt. You can call in and we can play a game for your chance to win. That's what's happening. All right, uh, let me talk to you quickly about the Chops Power Injector the NBBQA 2015-2016 Barbecue Tool of the Year, maybe 2017. We'll see in a few weeks' time how that does. Each of their patent-pending CHOPS power injector systems feature not one, not two, but four needles, evenly spaced at the perfect distance for even injecting. The number one seller is the half-gallon CHOPS power injector system. It's designed for competition or to pump up the backyard warrior. Easy to use. Clean to fill it, pump it, and go. If you have just one brisket or pork shoulder to do, you don't need to fill it all the way up. Just put in what you need. It will use it all. It comes with 14-gauge needles, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector, 100 bucks plus shipping anywhere. The one-gallon CHOPS power injector system is designed for catering and bigger jobs. It will hold double the amount of the half-gallon. That's why they call it the one-gallon. Some use it in competition, like when you cook the MBN whole hog or 10 shoulders trying to get that perfect one. It comes with 14-gauge needles, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector. This one's $120. You also pay the shipping. The newest one, the CHOPS Full Power Injector System. It's the electric and commercial competition Big Daddy. There's not a holding tank. This time it's a a 3.5-foot pickup tube that you can put in any size container. That's right. From a few ounces to a 55-gallon drum, it was designed for Chef Rob at the best barbecue restaurant in Kansas City. He has said time and time again that with the CHOPS full power injector system, his briskets are better than ever. It comes with metal needle adapters, 14-gauge needles, 3-inch 12-gauge needles, 2-inch 11.5-gauge needles, 3-plug screws, and a needle protector. This one's 325 bucks, plus you pay shipping on top of that. A number of the top pitmasters in the world use the CPI every day to make their barbecue better than the rest. Why? We live in a foodie world, Centralites. You need flavor in every bite. This is how you do it and do it fast. It's not just for meat either. How about alcohol-infused fruit? Every injector hand-assembled right in Kansas City, Missouri, USA. Extra accessories. You want them, they got them. You want to shoot medium ground spices? They got you covered there as well. They have a great upgrade that you can make your chops injector bulletproof. How about this? Metal needle adapters. Chops power injector system. Gives your barbecue some power. The website, B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E, barbecue, B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E, KansasCity.com. That's BarbecueKansasCity.com. By the way, if you are in Kansas City and you want a good barbecue restaurant to hit up, Chops has their own barbecue restaurant. Dan Uledal taking over the barbecue business world. All right, we're back to recap the HPBA Expo 2017 in Atlanta. Also, if you want to win a horse meat t-shirt, call in 216-220-0966. We're back right after this. Stick around. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey.
the biggest name in pork. I say the biggest name in pork, bringing you great opportunities this barbecue season. Get smoking with Smithfield and their grant program, their committed cooks program. Learn more at smoking, S-M-O-K-I-N, smokingwithsmithfield.com. That's smoking with smithfield.com. You want to get in touch with the show? You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. On the Twitter and Instagram, at BBQ Central Show. You want to get on the mic there, Chief? Hot mic. Got something to say? Oh, it's not hot. Why isn't it hot? Try again. Try again. Is the little switch on at the top? Take the headphones off. Is there a little switch? Flip it up. How about now? Uh. (laughs) Somewhere. Can't find it. Oh, okay. That was it. Say something. Hi. It sounds terrible. Hi. Uh, It's not good enough. Let me let me fix it real quick. Here we go. All right. Start to talk in it. Hello there. I'm Bobby. There she is. All right. Can you hear me? Yeah, I need to give you more uh more heat on that mic. Got to talk into it. Put it on the thing so you can hear it. You can hear yourself. There you go. Do you have command strips somewhere? I don't. Do you know where they would be? I don't. Why do you need command strips? I need to hang up something in my room. Ugh, there's something wrong with this. This sounds bad. You hear that? Yes. Yeah. Oh, wait. I know what the problem is. Oh. I don't have your mic on. Now try it. It's going to sound great. Hi. There you go. That's yeah. better. Doesn't sound good. I couldn't figure out what the hell was wrong. Stop licking me. I didn't have your mic on. So what's what's happening with Bobby? I'm cleaning my room. Tell everybody what's going to be uh, happening here shortly. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, A Barbecue Central Show exclusive news update. Make sure you're talking into the mic. All right, Greg Rempe reporting live from the breaking news desk here at Barbecue Central. And I'm going to be tossing it over to Bobby, giving you breaking news. Take it away, Bobby. On Thursday... We are hosting a Japanese exchange student. For how long? Two weeks. Here we go! Here we go! Do you know what her name is? May you. May you? Yes. All right. How old is she? 16. Anybody ever had a foreign exchange student? Come here. All right. So go. I don't have any command strips. That's all right. I need them. I don't have them. Oh, my God. Sorry. Turn that mic off now. That's fine. Leave it like that. I already have it off. So we are doing our part as American citizens to... I don't have them yet. John Solberg, send me an email. I have to talk to you offline. What's it like to have uh, – we're doing our part as American citizens to indoctrinate the youth of Japan to 
America. And by America, I mean the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city, the barbecue capital of the North Coast, Cleveland, Ohio. All right, let me grab some sound here from the HPBA. Right, I have I have one edited ready for air. Play with Windows Media Player. So I don't know how many people have ever been to an HPBA or not, but there's a lot of product out there. It was held at the World Congress Center in Atlanta. I attempted to leave Cleveland at, I think it was like, oh, 7.30 or something along these lines. Or 7.15, we were trying to get out of town. All the way driving to the airport, no problem. As soon as I stepped into the airport, boom, we have snow. It's terrible. But... Finally got there. Uh, again, was able to hang out uh, with Noah Glanville, who kind of uh, hosted me. You know, said, "Hey, if you can get down here, here's what we can do for you." Uh, ran into Robin Lindars, the Grill Girl. Hung out with her. Did a lot of interviewing and walking around and evaluating different projects and products and services. Uh, Jason from Green Mountain Grills. I got to see and meet Chris Marks for the first time from Three Little Pigs and the Good One. Uh, Mark Lambert I got to meet. Lots of people. Big Green Craig was there, but I didn't get to meet him or or, or say hi, and I'm sorry about that. Somebody that I took a, a fancy to was a company called Coco Brick, making a coconut-based charcoal briquette. And this is how the interview went with a young whippersnapper of a sales and marketing guy named Sam who you will hear right now. Booth number 2454 has a company called Coco Brick, and I'm getting interviews today here at the HPB Expo. You know, I'm a big charcoal guy, love charcoal cookers. A lot of it is the discussion between is it a briquette, charcoal, or lump charcoal. But this is something completely different. It's a coconut-based product, and I'm with Sam, who's the director of sales and marketing for Cocoa Brick. Sam, tell me, I guess, a little bit about yourself and uh, obviously about Cocoa Brick and what the vision is here. My man was really excited to talk to me. Really excited. Hi, Greg. Thank you so much for having me today. My name is Samuel Suleiman, and I'm with Cocoa Brick. We're based in Walnut, California. The biggest thing about Cocoa Brick is that when you're grilling of Cocoa Brick, you have a sustainable product that is environmentally friendly. That means that there's no chemicals, so you're getting that clean burn. There's no. These guys were really big on the green aspect of charcoal as well. No coconut flavor, so you don't have to worry about that. But there's a neutral smell that allows for your ingredients to really come alive when you're cooking it. Now, compared to regular wood-based charcoal, ours is a lot hotter and it burns longer. It burns for over three and a half hours and above 450 degrees Fahrenheit. We have two factories in Indonesia, in Lampung and Manado, 
of a total capacity of about 50,000 tons per year. From a, I guess, importing standpoint, are you, do you have some distributors set up right now, or how are you trying to get into the market? Obviously, there's some huge names that you have to compete with. Kingsford comes to mind. Uh, Lump Cowboy Charcoal comes to mind. How do you look to position yourself as a player in the charcoal market when you have such big name brands to have to compete with? Yes, sir. Currently, it's still our first year, so we're still in the process of getting into the big chains like Costco, Home Depot, Lowe's, all the major retail chains but our biggest thing is we're trying to approach the people that care about our environment cocoa brick is made out of coconut shells and we're not harvesting trees to make our product so in the end we're making a big impact if we can get everyone to eventually coconut brick it so you're not harvesting trees but are you harvesting coconuts to make your coconut charcoal we are not harvesting coconuts because we actually just use the coconut shell that other people is their waste product their byproduct so we're using something that's already being thrown away so we're essentially recycling it and making it into a new product so aside from uh, bone thugs and harmony and the cleveland cavaliers winning the nba uh, i have no experience with coconuts per se do you find like a, a large amount of, will coconuts just like fall out of the tree and they're just on the ground and so you can't sell those and those would also be something that you would use or, or not it, really? Uh, it really depends on where, where in Indonesia we're harvesting them, but we actually harvest about three to four times a year. The farmers harvest the coconut and get the milk and the meat, but we buy the shells from them. Talk to me about how you transform the raw coconut shell into the finished product so what we do with the coconut shells is that we cut it in half so it is a half shell and half shell and we put those into a giant fire and we essentially burn it and once it's become into the charcoal form then we turn the fire off and we granulate it so it's very fine almost sand like powder like and we mix it with all natural tapioca starch and compress it to make a highly compact and dense bricket made out of coconuts. All natural. Bricket. 100% no additives, no harmful additives, no chemicals, and you're getting that natural wood taste without harming trees. Right. That, that seems to be like a big issue with you guys, right? Being green, leaving the trees alone, using a sustainable and continually evolving resource. Uh, Matt Boer. Stand by. Uh, like the coconuts that's co- are. That's correct. We're very eco-friendly. We want to promote awareness and promote the green aspect of cocoa brick. There's been a couple other attempts at some type of a coconut charcoal in the market over the last decade. Um, one of the things that people talked about when they were lighting it is that it seemed to be way more dense than the traditional wood-based charcoals and it seemed like lighting was kind of a pain in the ass. Do you find that your particular product takes a little bit more wherewithal to get lit or is would it be something we would be akin to under a normal briquette? I actually believe that our it's a compliment that our briquettes take so much longer to light because it proves the quality of our product. Most charcoal, when you're lighting it, you only get about one hour of burn time But then because it takes longer to burn our cocoa brick, you're getting three to four hours, meaning you're not having to constantly replenish the charcoal in between your cooking meals. Hypothetically speaking, let's say you're cooking on a Weber kettle grill or or maybe even, can you use this stuff like in a Kamado style cooker too? There's no problem with that? Yeah, there's no problem like that. I actually, I personally, I would recommend using a chimney starter because that way you're not using the lighter fluid which could give food an sure. off 
off taste. You're not getting that chemicals. You want to use a chimney starter because this is already a natural product. So you want to stay away from those lighter fluid and chemicals. Could you do a cooking session and then close the vents off and then have enough charcoal to maybe do another one or two cooks left? I'm very glad you brought that up, Greg. That's perfectly fine. I said the cocoa brick can last three to four hours, but if you only use it for like 45 minutes, all you have to do is close the lid, cut out the oxygen, burn it up again tomorrow. You can use it two to three times. You can light it again two to three times. Sam, you're making me very excited. I'm very interested in trying cocoa brick. So, I mean, do you have a, an idea when this might get introduced into the market for purchase? Potentially, you don't have to, we're not gonna commit. You're only talking on tape and it's only gonna be disseminated to the internet forever and ever. No big deal. Yeah, Greg, I'm very excited as well. Currently, we have two warehouses. We have one in Houston, Texas, and one of City of Industry, California. But well, we'll be sure to be out in stores near you soon. All major retail chain stores, we're coming for you. Watch out. Cocoa do you have, Brick. Do you have a projected retail value of the bag of charcoal? Yeah, so our, our projected retail values for our 8-pound bag will be less than $10.00. And our 18-pound bag will be less than $20. All right. You heard it here first. It's Coco Brick. Sam, appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much. Thank you very much, Greg. It's been a pleasure being on your show. Very excited. Awesome stuff. All right. Thanks. Uh, he had to have been like 22 years old, maybe. Uh-oh. He was very excited. If I could set a stage for you, I had stopped by his booth. I was... I'm always uh, kind of intrigued with the charcoal, I'm sorry, with the coconut charcoal situation. So it's not available yet. Uh, I don't know when it's going to be technically available. I don't know where they're pulling through. There's a lot of huge hurdles that I tried to have him talk a little bit about. But, you know, this was a young guy, very uh, eager guy. His whole family was out there as we're sitting down on these uh, stools and they're like taking video and this was the first interview he's ever done so of course it was a huge deal because you know barbecue central show covering it hpba expo but i mean who knows maybe there's been co-shell there's been uh, a few other ones there was it like six or seven years ago there was the donut shaped coconut briquette or whatever it was called, but Koshel, I think, was the most recent coconut charcoal to make a run for it. I think it was actually in Lowe's, right? So it's tough, man. Coconuts, uh, I'm sorry, uh, charcoal business is tough, especially when you got a Kingsford out there. Weber's now making a run into the business here. We'll have to see how it continues, but that was just some live. How good was that quality with that live sound? Man, it's great. Love that recording. Number of ones to post and play over the next few weeks as well. Probably try and line up Robin so we can do a live recap. All right, let me talk to you quickly about the Pit Barrel Cooker Gang. Pulling the trigger on a new cooker can be nerve-wracking sometimes. Temperature control, fire management, what woods to buy. Who needs the hassle? Might I strongly suggest a Pit Barrel Cooker. The Pit Barrel makes cooking simple and fun, and it just might be the most unique, versatile, and easy-to-use cooker available on the market today. I should know I looked at all of the cookers available today on the market last weekend. Imagine a single cooker that turns out great traditional barbecue meats like pork shoulders and ribs and briskets while also being able to ramp up in temperature to do burgers, chicken wings, and hot dogs. 
The versatility is all thanks to the revolutionary design that goes way beyond traditional convection. Their hook and hang method places the food right in the center of the meat. So it's acting like a stationary rotisserie, if you will. The result is great tasting, perfectly cooked meat each and every time. We call that consistency where I come from. Not only is the pit barrel a fabulous cooking vessel, it's aesthetically sexy as well. It's not only built to withstand heat, but thanks to its porcelain enamel finish, the pit barrel is able to withstand any type of weather condition. It's also extremely portable. It can fit in the most it can fit in the back of most trucks, vans, and SUVs, so it's ready to go wherever you are. And of course, all barbecue folks love accessories, and the pit barrel doesn't disappoint here either. From rubs to the unique removable ash pan, the pit grips, the turkey hangers, the hinged grill grates, the coffee mugs, the soon-to-be-released stainless steel pi- uh, spice disseminators. Oh, I love it. Did I say the high heat gloves already? Those are some of my favorite. Those can be used pretty much wherever. Look, here's the bottom line. Aside from the beer koozies that were going like hotcakes at the HPBA Expo and coffee mugs available as well. Those are great. They have accessories that really complete your pit barrel experience. Hey, for $299, the pit barrel comes fully assembled, ready to cook on, ships to your door for free. Not only does the cooker ship free, but with so few returns, everything they sell ships for free to lower 48 continental states each and every day. No promo code, no coupon needed. Don't take my word for it. AmazingRibs.com continues to rave about it, giving it its highest rating, the Gold Division rating. Not once, but three years in a row. They're running out of good things to say about that cooker. Head on over to PitBarrelCooker.com. Find out what everybody's talking about. Be sure to check out their full collection of videos and then pick up one or two for yourself. You can thank me later. If you have any questions about what to order, contact them through their website or call 502-228-1222. They'll actually talk to you. Find out what great customer service is all about. We're back right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you've found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today. Craig Rimpy. Right, getting ready to wrap it up here in a show to answer a question that I saw posted in the chat room by John Dawson. It's always hard to tell sarcasm when you're reading it, but uh, John is either saying that he is surprised that Weber got into the charcoal game, or he's really surprised. And I do have a bag of new Weber charcoal that hit my loading dock about a week and a half ago, but I wasn't here this past weekend, obviously, to test. I also have a new bag of the Kingsford Longer Burn. They promise 25% longer burning. So uh, I don't – did I mention this? This also might be breaking news. A Barbecue Central Show exclusive news update. Greg Rempe back at the breaking news desk here at the Barbecue Hall of Fame City or Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City. Barbecue Capital of the North Coast, Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, yours truly is the new one of the new accessory testers for AmazingRibs.com. One of those is going to be testing head to head the Weber charcoal briquette and the new Kingsford 
long burn briquette in a John Dawson style of testing. So hopefully I will have some type of an update for you on that. Maybe even this weekend. While there is a volleyball tournament heading to Louisville, Kentucky, uh, we are not going to be doing that. The volleyball play, uh, player in the family still has a fractured right middle finger on her swing hand, so no reason to drive six hours down and six hours back and pay a hundred plus dollars a night to see a hotel room to watch her sit there. I can do that every day of the week, otherwise, for free, for free. All right, let's back out of here, ASAP. So yeah, did I just announce? I'm going to be an accessory tester for AmazingRibs.com. So if you have any ideas on accessories that you want to see or have you ever heard about them, start sending me a list of uh, stuff you want to see me mess around with. We'll figure out what to do with it after I test with it. But yes, uh, Weber v. v Kingsford, John. Look for that coming up here hopefully sooner than later. Hey, all the way back in the first hour, we talked with Darren Worth, Iowa Smokey D's winner of the latest Houston Livestock and Rodeo. He was runner-up in 2015 and uh, knocked it all the way out of the park this year. Only thing left in their competition resume to notch is Memphis and May, and he's not opposed to doing that now. Good to hear. Then we talked with Ted Reeder at length, length about lamb testicles, how to prepare them, how to peel them, how to shuck them, how to brine them, how to season them, smoked them, grilled them, soapstoned them. He said they were delicious once he had it all knocked out. Knocked out seems to be a recurring term all of a sudden. And then in the second hour, we talked with Steve Ray from Owl's Nest Barbecue about somebody turning in an empty box and not getting DQ'd. That's odd. Last but not least, we recapped a little bit of the HPBA Expo I was at this past week. Weekend. Big show planned for next week as always, uh, September 11th, 2001. I will never forget until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Reppy. Good night now.